Joe presents Liquid Football. Hello, welcome to Liquid Football on Joe. It's the show that takes you inside the dressing room and puts you in the boots of the players. Uh, I'm Kelly Cates, minus my voice this week, uh, but alongside me, Stephen Warnock and Wayne Bridge. We're going to start with the FA Cup, of course. Uh, Liverpool have got an FA Cup replay. Two all draw at Shrewsbury. They were 2-0 up. Jurgen Klopp has said he's not going to play his senior side in the replay because it falls in the mid-season break. Just before we come on to that, just quickly a word on Shrewsbury to be 2-0 down (laughs) against Premier League opposition. And yes, it was a a young Liverpool side, but it's the side that put out Everton, more or less. And Shrewsbury back into that game and made Liverpool look quite ordinary in the game. It's probably a better team than they put out against Everton when you think of Matip, Lovren, Firmino. Well, they brought, uh, yeah, they brought and, Salah and you look at, that, at the end, didn't they? Yeah, but then you've got Fabinho in midfield as well, yeah. and you're thinking, like, this was a strong team. To go 2-0 down straight after, oh, as soon as the second half kicks off as well, you're thinking, no way back for Shrewsbury now. And uh, credit to them. They were well-organised, good team. I watched them in the first, uh, in the round before against uh, Bristol City a couple of times, and they dominated both games against them. So it was always going to be a tough game for Liverpool, but like you say, once they went 2-0, up, you thought, job done. But when you see all the like the video from the dressing room and the way they're all celebrating, that's the point of it, isn't it? The fact that you get these these moments. And I know for the club and for the administrators and everything, and then it will trickle down, the money will trickle down to the fans getting the replay at Anfield mm. and getting the gate receipts or sharing the gate receipts from that. But it, that's not the point, is it? In the moment, when you go in and you've been 2-0 down and got a draw against them, it's huge. Yeah, it being 2-0 down, just getting a draw anything, really, I think... That is what the FA Cup's all about, seeing them things. But I think Liverpool going there, you know, I've been at Chelsea at times where you go to lower league and you do you do feel a bit of pressure, especially if you're not, they don't put a full strength team out and it's, you know, people's mentality isn't always in the game. So it's difficult and that's when the lower teams, they can come good and create upsets. But this idea that they're, he said, look, we've got this this break. Mm. I've had a letter from the... We had a letter from the Premier League last season, in April last season, where they said, don't arrange any matches during this time. Don't have any um, paid friendlies. Make sure this is a proper break. If you want it, use it as a break. And then the FA have come in and said, this is when we're going to have the FA Cup replays. Now, it would be a perfectly reasonable argument to say if Liverpool didn't want a replay, then they should have beaten... Shrewsbury, if they, don't, if they don't want a replay, they could have put in a better performance than, than the one that they did. However, this is the situation. He said no senior players will be part of the squad and he's not even going to be manager of the team that does it. It's, it's a difficult one because you can see both sides of it. You look at Liverpool playing Southampton on the first, then they've got this game on the fourth. So if you'd have finished the game on the first uh, against Southampton, then you give yourself a seven-day break so players will go on holiday, they'll go on a warm weather camp, uh, whatever they want to do. Um, so they, they do get well rested within that period. Now that you've got that game sandwiched in there, the players will have to train on the, the Sunday and the Monday leading into the game. Then when they finish that game, they'll have probably three days off, four days off max. And it, it's not enough for, for what the players need because they'll still need a week of training leading up to the next game. Um, Jurgen Klopp in the international breaks if players aren't on international duty more often than not gives them six or seven days off to let them recover so that was what it was brought in for I think the difficult thing is is him not being there you can understand him putting a second team out but when you're at Anfield and you're manager of Liverpool in the FA Cup I think if I was the opposition manager I'd be a little bit 
frustrated at that. Yeah, Andy Holt, who's the, the chairman of Accrington Stanley, said the FA need to get, uh, they need to win this battle or else their flagship competition is going to be totally undermined. I mean, it's, it's a really difficult balance to strike, though, when the, the clubs are getting one set of instructions from the Premier League, which is you will not play matches mm-hmm. in this period. And they're getting one set of instructions from the FA, which is you will play matches and you will play a strong side in this period. It feels like less that it's a decision for clubs to make and more that it's a battle between the FA and, and the Premier League. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm with Klopp, to be honest. You know, he's been told strictly no games and he's just he's just followed that. And you guarantee he's... He's probably, if they haven't organised the trip away, they're going away together. He's probably told players that they can go away. They've probably booked to go away already. And he's just following instructions. I don't, none of it's on his head. And to be honest, a lot of them players probably have had time off anyway because he would have felt feel, weak inside. And, I, you know, say he should be there. Maybe he should be there. Um, one of but the, he, I'm a bit he, like, he, he is need, just following instructions. He needs a break as well, though, doesn't he? I think people are saying, oh, physically Liverpool will be tired and you need that physical break. But it's the men- mental side of the game as well. Imagine what goes on in his head every single day, being in and around the training ground, organising things, making sure everything's right. He needs that break as much as anyone. I don't get how they've brought the break in, though, knowing that replays could happen. Like, how has that not been thought of before? Yeah, it was, it was mentioned at the time, but I'm not sure that it was... I think it was sort of glossed over. Yeah. Was, I mean, there was obviously the possibility that there could be FA Cup replays <laughs> yeah. and that was it sort of sort of dealt with there. But they, it is something that, that makes a lot of fans very frustrated, this idea of players needing a break, of managers needing a break. When you've got you know people working really hard jobs who'll get maybe a total of four weeks off a year and they're like, well, do you know what? We, we all need a break. We just sometimes have to push on through it. Yeah, that, I mean, that is very understandable, but the, the physical levels that they're pushing themselves to is... You can see it now. Players are breaking down all the time. So they're picking up injuries. And this was brought in to help England in the Euros. It was help, brought in to help foreign uh, European teams within the World Cup as well. These are things that have been highlighted that players, managers have all come together and said, if we had a winter break, this would help improve the squads. So it's been brought in for that reason. There's only one winner in this, and it's the Premier League. The Premier League are... I mean, they're the, the money makers, aren't they? They're the ones that bring such a a wealth of money into into clubs, and the the teams are only adhere to what they say. The FA are they're struggling with the FA Cup as it is to keep it relevant and to keep it interesting, but no one's ever come up with a, a solution that everyone's gone. Yes, that's what we need to do, and that's how we need to change it. Yeah, the, the FA Cup's struggling. It's it's one of them. It's great for the fringe players or the players that aren't getting games. For instance, when I was at Chelsea and I was behind Ashley, I was I was going to get a game in the FA Cup. You know, so it's it's all it's already undermined, like I said, a little bit already. And this has just made it even worse. You know, there's all there's all the talk going on between fans and clubs that they should field stronger sides, and this has just made it even worse. But, but let's not get it wrong. It's not Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool's fault. It's the FA and the Premier League, isn't it? Where yeah. they've clashed together. The only thing is him not being at the game. Yeah, but again, that comes down to the clash and being told yeah. not to be. Not to do anything. But is that the players or and the manager as well? Well, you come as one, don't you? Should do anyway, shouldn't you? But difficult. And also, you could turn up as a figurehead, but then in the middle of it all, the, the players um, potentially could be going off on on warm weather. We don't really know what's happening in, in Liverpool's mm. mid-season break at this point. They're going off on a, a warm weather training camp 
what are the sort of <laughs> what are the sort of repeatable things that happen <laughs> in warm weather training camp? Training. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you go. So if you have if you have a manager who says to you, right, a couple of weeks in the middle of the season, we're going to have a. Say you, you had this opportunity for a warm weather break. You're like, that'd be lovely. We're going to go get a little bit of little bit of time away. Off we go, spend a few days in the sunshine. Really intensive training <laughs> sessions. So what is it? What's the what's the the point of them? What should do you, they, do you want to take this away? Lots of different scenarios. What, what, what are they supposed to achieve? What, is, what do you think is the aim of a warm weather training camp? It, it, From it, a manager's point of view, first it, it all depends on the manager. Yeah. I think, you know, there's going to be managers out there, and I've experienced it both ends, where you go out and it is training. And supposedly it's not going to be as hard, but you get a bit of sun, recover and stuff, and you're recovering properly. But there's also the other side where it's just a bit of a jolly up. You do a little bit of a training. Team bonding, come on. Yeah, please. team bonding, they call it. <laughs> right, it's not a jolly Team up. bonding, so you do train, and you have the odd night out here and there. Or there's the extreme where you go, and it's... It is pretty much, tri- train is really, really light and you have three or four nights out <laughs> as team bonding. And I think it's it's difficult for the manager. You know, I've, we were talking about Hughesy, uh, Mark Hughes, and I've played with him before. And But when he went to City and I went, he, he changed a lot. You know, obviously City, big club, a lot of money come in. We weren't allowed to go out. We literally had to stay in, whereas I'm sure... You've experienced something totally different. Have I? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I went to I went away with Blackburn. It was my first trip. I'd signed in the January. It must have been February, March time. And uh, we went out to Dubai. And um, the training, the one thing I will say was the training was hard, like really hard. If you went out the night before, you still turned up on that training pitch and you had to be there at a certain time. And you had to sort of sweat everything out of you. But it was a team building thing. It was like the lads getting to know each other. I was fresh into the squad. For me, the easiest thing to do is go out, have a drink, get to know the lads, a little bit more relaxed atmosphere. If you are going to be sick, you were sick and you get on with it and that's part and parcel of it. But it wasn't... There's a fine line between like a, a lad's like booze up and getting absolutely smashed the whole time and there's a there's a training training camp as well with that mixed in. But I've been on trips before where there's there's nights out constantly but you've still got over a week when you get back to still recover from it to be right um, recover from the drinking rather than the training oh, that, it, it, that, that has changed over time as well isn't yeah, it in your career yeah. where you can't do it as much oh yeah of course definitely but it, it's it's also the individual what the individual wants sometimes you go away and you think well i don't get this opportunity sometimes and you may as well go out, get to know the lads better, spend more time with them. What you often find with players is they'll they'll live with each each other within a training ground, and then they go off and they don't really socialise outside of it. So for the lads, it's a it's a great opportunity to get together and uh, have a have a good laugh and a good time. So after, it does work. Does it, that's what I was going to yeah. ask because after that one with Blackburn. Yeah, well, I joined. Did, did, it, and, work? did well, it work? Yeah, because I joined and we were in the bottom three when I first joined and. We had a little bit of a pick-up just before we went. And then after we came back, I, don't, I think we were unbeaten in about 10 games. Um, because, again, getting to know players, they get to know the different side of characters. And I'm not saying, like, everyone comes out the shell when they've had a drink, but it doesn't half help. Um, I, I, really, just, I, just, I really love that you're sitting here 
with a straight face, oh. seriously talking about the benefits to the team of going away on a warm weather break. But, that, but you're not, you're not going over there going, do you know, what? I'm, I'm, I'm just going to put, and I'm sure this is the party line when you're at home as well. You're going, look, we're going to have to go and do this because, you know, the club's not in a good place at the <laughs> moment. I, and we've got it, we've got to go away. We've all got to spend time together. And I'm sure it goes down like a cup of cold sick. When you say they go, when you say they go, yeah, we've got to go away and do all this. I it? don't think it happens as much now though. No, I don't. I I think it, when I first started out, I think it happened a lot, a lot. Mm. The last trip I went on was with Fulham, and I thought the team bonding when everyone out was really good. You know, the, the team played well afterwards, and it happened at Southampton. I thought it done well. It happened at West Ham, where we just had a few days together to team bond, and we were really struggling. It didn't work, so we got relegated. <laughs> But um, the Fulham one, I thought, was great. You tried to bond them, <laughs> yeah. like you didn't like and each it other. Did, <laughs> it just didn't work. We never had, like you say, you do find out, and it create it does create a tight unit. Yeah. Southampton, it definitely did, and at Fulham, a hundred percent, it did. Especially with um, Chris Coleman was manager, and we went out. Everyone had to go out. It wasn't like you can have a night out. Is we're having a night out. Everyone has to come, and he would make sure everyone went out. There was one time he was sat around the pool and he, I think it was after the night out and he went, well, I'm not going. You were with the fitness coach because he was probably, he was sat by the actual pool having a beer and we were like, well, do we have to go train? He went, yeah, go, well, send us over a crate of beer. Half hour into training, a crate of beer turns up. The fitness coach is devastated. <laughs> you know, he went, I just have a five aside. Everyone's having a beer playing five aside. But we come back off that trip and we got some good results. And it, it it does help sometimes, you know. Mm. You, you come off, you 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 bond better. You certain characters, you, like you said, you get on with better. You I think as well. About them. Sometimes you'll find the players' perception of a manager can change as well, and how they feel about the manager. We went to um, we were in Italy with Blackburn, and we were flying to Croatia for a game. So we were flying into Croatia, sp- staying and playing at one game, and then flying back into England that night. So we got to uh, the airport in Italy. And the crates that we having to take on the plane were too heavy. <laughs> so uh, Sam Allardyce was manager at the time, and they were trying crates to organise it. <laughs> no, no, just and the, the kits, <laughs> the kit, like with the, oh, all the, the kit, kit in. It oh, I thought. You were, Sorry, yeah. I think so, they're going, I'm still on crates of beer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the plane wouldn't take off. They said you can't go on the plane that you want to go on. It's too heavy for what you've got. So we ended up stay, staying about three or four hours in this in this airport until we could get a private plane to come in or a bigger plane that would take us. So Sam Allardyce pulls myself and Ryan Nelson. So he was captain, I was vice-captain. He said, find out who's in Croatia and where we can go out tonight. He went, I'm not having this. This is wrong. He said, lads need a night out tonight. He said, we've done like 10 days in Italy. We've not had a drink. He said, we'll have a night out tonight. So lads go off, find out who you can in Croatia, sort out this this uh, this bar and re- like club th- type thing. So we finish the game, get back on the bus, and Sam Allardyce comes on the microphone at the front of the bus. Right, lads, be in the bar, 10 minutes. If you're not there, week's wages. <laughs> so lads are like, right, okay. And if anyone doesn't come, you're in massive trouble with me. So we turn up to the... Uh, turn up to the hotel and he says right upstairs and back down as quick as you can come back down there's a bar I mean it's probably four times the length of this full of beers and he was like beer down yeah taxis are outside all pay for see at the club walk in this club and it was like an, it was like around the swimming pool but it was like all open air it was dead relaxed he stood in the middle he was like right help yourselves, have a good night. So we're all, like, having drinks and whatever, and he says, right, I'm going home now. There's my credit card. If you want any more drinks, I'm off. The lads were just like, this guy's unreal. 
like the suddenly new players who come to the club wanted to run through a brick wall for him and they were just like this guy's phenomenal everyone went back to the hotel next morning woke up thanked the manager for the night out and suddenly he's won everyone over everyone wants to play for him and they're the little things that people don't see that managers bring to the table sometimes it was the same with Mark Hughes when I went in I didn't know what to expect of him went on the uh, on the trip to both went to Dubai and Florida and your perception changes of someone because you only see what you see before you sign is what they're like in front of a camera and what they're like at a press conference and you've got to get to know them as well as well as they've got to get to know you I'm just sorry you didn't get to see his dancing, like in that video of him in Ibiza. <laughs> Have you seen the one that's doing the rounds? Yeah. Um, it can go wrong, though, as well. Oh, well that's what I was, when, yeah. uh, Has there ever been a time when it's just... I- or when, like, tensions have been bubbling away and then you get away and everybody's out, there's a few beers down and... I was- remember the Fulham one again, a couple of things went wrong, although we did bond really well and get some results afterwards. Remember the coach, Dave Besson, broke his finger when we were play fighting after a few years. <laughs> it wasn't me, it was someone else. The funniest one was uh, Crosley, the goalkeeper. Oh, we come back from a night out and it was early hours of the morning. It was a, it was a big night out. And he went, oh, I'm just going to chill down by the pool. I'm like, I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up eight hours later, looked out of the balcony. He's still there, falling asleep <laughs> with his iPod on his chest. Oh, no. And he had oh, blistered no. all over his body. So that was him done for the rest. Couldn't move. He literally laying in bed like that, creamed up with blisters all over him. So he lot, was done for a, a while. White, they, a lot they, of white rectangle were, where the iPod They were really bad. Like, you could just go around with a needle. You could just pop them. They were so bad. You did, you did that like you'd had a go at it. <laughs> no, no, I would have loved to. <laughs> <laughs> he was in so much pain. You, you felt sorry for him, but that that went wrong. Yeah. Now, I don't think now, I think the manager would rather just give the lads the time off to go and do They're what they want to do. Because they know they're going to be with their families. I think a lot, a lot of the managers these days, if we go away as a group... This could be trouble. Yeah. And if you have a night out now with social media, that they just can't... Well, do it anymore. I suppose if you're with your family, say. you're going to have a quieter time. Yeah. I mean, say, not always, you, but mostly. Do you imagine a like a Liverpool, a Man City, a Chelsea going out as a team, how hard it is? Mm. And what follows them it. about and the amount of social media posts that are going to come off the back of it. Players can't move. Mm. Very and, difficult for them to And do. times do change. Like, I feel like back then everyone was going out. Yeah. Whereas now, like, you know, the body fats for everyone, how athletic people are is totally different to back then. Yeah, and I think now it's got the really low body fat. They go out and have like two beers, and suddenly they're like, "That's them." That's yeah, them. That, that was me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because you have very low body yeah, fat. Yeah. <laughs> um, Man United won six nil at Tranmere. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer thanked the Tranmere keeper apparently afterwards. He's a City fan, and he said that he fired up the Man United players because he said, "Oh, Man United are on their way down," and he sort of used it as the implication was that he'd sort of used it as, as motivation, or it had been used as motivation in the dressing room. Does that happen? Like if it, if, if, I, I don't think that will have happened on that one. They only have to pick up the papers most days mm-hmm. and to read that Man United are on the way down at the moment, and everyone's having a go at them for style of play and. Um, how they're not doing well and how much pressure Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is under. So you can understand what he's saying to a certain degree, but I don't think you necessarily have to pin that up in the changing room against Tranmere in League One, who've just played 120 minutes on the Thursday night. You should be winning the game anyway, shouldn't you? I don't feel like I've ever used it myself or anyone said anything that would offend me that I really want to go and be. I always wanted to win. Mm. I remember Mourinho, when he first came along, with the Man United, he always used to have something to say about him. 
Fergie had said something, one of the players had said something. He always used to use that. He always used to say something about them. Mm. And, it, and did, did it not really work up. for you? I, 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 I think we'd be G'd up before the game, but once I was on the pitch, I never really thought about what was said. I'd always go out and just play. But it, he, he, he would G you up before the game. Do you think there's much in the Jordan Henderson one with Sir Alex Ferguson? Oh, about the gate, about yeah. him having an upright gate. I think that would annoy him. I think he'd want to do well off the back of that and prove someone wrong. Where he said, I think, yeah, he's I got think a funny wanna... running gate and why, like, that's why I wouldn't sign him and he's not going to have a career and things like that. And you're thinking, I'll prove you wrong. Yeah. That, that'd irritate me because yeah. you only have to wear, read like Stevie G's book as well when he talks about Rafa. And he said, I always wanted to prove him wrong because he'd always say something. I'd think, no, I'm going to prove you wrong. Mm. So I think s- certain players and certain people will get affected in different ways. Yeah. So if you see those sort of comments but beforehand, did you ever, did anyone ever try to, to wind you up? Before a game, or did, were there ever any situations that that made you want to go out and prove yourself? I remember when I'd signed from Blackburn to Aston Villa. We were playing, uh, went back to Blackburn not so long after, and I spoke to a few of the lads after the game. And um, I used to have a, like a little bit of a thing with our lads, Juve, where he used to wind, like do me Adam, if I'm being honest. Got got to know him a little bit better when we played together at Leeds after it, but he used to just annoy me. And Sam had said to him, try and wind him up and get him sent off. And I tried to smash him a few times, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, but that was one of the tactics where he said, try and get him wound up and try and get him sent off. So would, would, did you go in physically or is it verbals or both? Or did both. You... Yeah, just he, he'd be on at me and I'd be on at him and then it'd get a bit heated on the pitch. And He was annoying to play against. Yeah. It was easy annoying. to wind up though, because sometimes if someone's annoying to play, no, against, do you, know what? you can use it against them. Can't he's you? very good the other way. Yeah. You can try and wind him up as much as you want, and he knows he's got you. Mm. As soon as you're biting back, he's laughing in your face. Yeah. He's, he's, he's quite Some good at it in really Yeah, he's quite good. He, he would not bother him. If you're going back at him saying stuff, he'd just laugh in your face, and you get even more wound up, and you're thinking, oh, <laughs> next tackle, next tackle. <laughs> this one's going to get him, this one's going to get him. Yeah. Did you end up getting sent off against no, him I the didn't. other way around? No, no. I thought that's where that no. might be going. I, I think I gave a free kick away that led to a goal, though, and it was so annoying. Oh, you're just, yeah, yeah. you're just trying to get into him. And the, the pitch, though, at Tramir, mm. was there was a lot said about you were there. I was, there, for Thurs- I was yeah. there on Thursday, yeah, watching the uh, the Watford game. And there was sort of areas on the pitch down the side which were full of sand. So whenever there was a free kick in that area, they'd move it right onto the touchline because they didn't want to take the free kick out the sand because it was that bad. Oh, my God. But the, uh, the pitch was cutting up really bad and it was really heavy every time the players were turning. But Watford struggled on it. And in, in all fairness, when you look at the Watford team back, it weren't Watford's first team it was Man United put their first team out as, as strong as they could and they were they were able to deal with the ball better the touch is better than the Watford players and they dealt with the occasion far better but the pitch was I mean it was horrendous I was there in pre-season when Liverpool played Tramier in a pre-season game I think it rained that day and the game could have got called off in July because it was just it held water on the yeah. pitch and it was a mess so Again, hopefully they can get some money that can sort their pitch out. Yeah, it's, un- it's unusual now, isn't it? I mean, you used to see that all the time. That used to be like the great levelers in the great leveler in, in FA Cup ties with the pitch. You'd have a pitch with a slope, or you'd have the yeah. kind of pitch that would, would cut up a lot and get out. me muddy. But it's, it's it's rare to have that now because most of them that have got like the the grand staff take real pride in, in keeping it if they've got the resources to do it in having a really pristine pitch. Mm. The pitches they're unbelievable. I remember. Chelsea's one that stands out for me when I went there and Roman come along and just sort it out because I remember Chelsea every Christmas the pitch was just shocking 
the, the, it was just mud, mm-hmm. mud all down the middle of the pitch. The, the sides were okay, mm-hmm. but they were still bobbly. And like we were talking about a game uh, when they just put sand all over it. It was literally just sand. I think it was the following season actually sorted out, and that was when Roman came in and was like, right, we need to sort this pitch out. And he got it sorted. But I remember, like, we talk about cup games. I remember going to lower leagues and thinking, oh, I'm dreading it. <laughs> it's like the ball's coming towards you and it's, is it going to go over my foot or under my foot? You have to concentrate so much. Yeah. It does level the game out. But like you say, now you don't see it as no. much. People take care of the pitch because they want to see see everyone playing football rather than just pump it long all the time. I was going to say, well, style Solskjaer of football's changed, that. doesn't it? But Solskjaer said that, didn't he? He said, he said you know, we, we went to play on that pitch. He said, I think everybody expected us to be hoofing it long and doing it. We didn't. We maintained our style of play and we did our, we played our own mm. game. We kept it on the floor and I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're able to move it around quite well. But again, Tramway were shattered. Mm. They played 120 minutes in midweek. They've got a couple of midfielders and David Perkins and Neil Dans who are sort of 30, 38, 37, 38. They're going to tire after 120 minutes on Thursday. The thing is that be... I do have a bit of sympathy with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in this situation because when he comes out and he says, you know, we, we did really well against the team and they haven't got a good result. And they're like, yeah, but they play well. And we did. They were, it, what was the one, the, the Liverpool one where he said, you know, they, <laughs> they played their, they played a full strength team against us. And that's the kind of respect we get. And everybody's like, oh my God, yeah. he got hammered for sort of talking them down. And then he, he goes to Tranmere and they beat them 6-0 and he talks them up and he gets hammered for that as well. You can't really, you can't really win in that situation. You can't, you, yeah, one, you're, one, you're you're one, United, one day you? you're, on, one day you're yeah. underplaying them and one day you're, you're overselling them. Yeah, but under so much pressure, isn't it? It's, yeah, but you get, beat at home, you get beat at home by Burnley and you're going to get criticised because mm. you shouldn't be getting beat by Burnley at home. If you're Manchester United, with all due respect to Burnley, um, you should be winning that game and you should be dominant you should be going to Tramir and you should be winning the game whether you win 2 or 6-0 you should be going to Tramir you'd like winning. to think he'd come out and just say yeah we won 6-0 we should have we, we, we should, should be do. winning 6-0 yeah. not like praising him so he should be coming out and just saying we should be doing that anyway yeah it's it's the norm okay <laughs> tough, tough judges <laughs> it is though isn't it yeah. Man United the players they've got it should be normal yeah. to just go and win like that I know no football game's easy but yeah there's always, yeah, always the potential to slip up. This is Liquid Football on Joe. I'm Kelly Cates alongside me, Stephen Warnock and Wayne Bridge. If you like what you see and hear, then leave a review on YouTube and iTunes. This week sees the return of TKO with Carl Frampton. Chris Lloyd and Carl have been up to Hull to visit British lightweight Tommy Coyle. I met him at, um, it's funny because he takes the piss out of me about it, but I met him at a Kell Brook do. I'll tell him the story. Go on, what's the story? <laughs> so he sees me, Kel Brook fought Earl's France, and Tommy comes over to me, and he must have says to Holly, there's a card from him. Go and get a photograph of him. <laughs> so he, come, he, come, he comes over to me and goes, uh, Carl, uh, how you doing? I'm, I'm Tommy Coyle. Can I, I, I don't know if I no, 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 I've got it wrong. So he says, Carl, how you doing? Can I get a photograph of you, please? And I went, oh, no problem, Tommy. Go ahead, jump in. He went, he knows my name. <laughs> 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 I want a fucking. Of course, I know your name. Uh, what are you talking about? No, but like I boxed on small old shows all my life. And there's him over there in the jackal, and um, oh. I've, I've got to get a picture of the jackal. He's legend, sort of thing. He knows your name. TKO with Carl Frampton is available from Tuesday the 28th of January. Also from Joe, House of Rugby with James Haskell. The latest episode seems James 
Alex Payne and Mike Tyndall discussed the situation at Saracens following their relegation. Torino beaten 7-0 at home by Atalanta in Serie A this weekend. Some of the players were in tears on the pitch. Has a defeat ever made you cry? Uh, for me, I got beaten the uh, Club World Cup final against, uh, well, God, when was that now? 2006. Um, and I cried after the game because I thought it was the opportunity to... Liverpool were going after that for the first time, mm. not to win it for the first time. Uh, they played in it many times before and I just thought it was a chance to go in the history books and um, I was devastated after it. Um, it was one of them defeats that just sort of sits with you. Yeah, so not a nice feeling. It's funny, Luis Garcia was in here talking about it and we were sort of talking about the importance of it and he said it's the one that he regrets because it felt like... one. And I know there's a lot of Man United players who, when they won it, said, really care, wouldn't even count it amongst our, yeah, our medals. Yeah. But it's almost it's almost worse if you if you miss out of it and you don't have... Oh, it was horrible. And it was the way we lost it as well. We had, a, like, three goals disallowed in the game. Uh, their goal was possibly offside. If VAR was in now, we'd have, we would have won the game comfortably. So that was disappointing. And like I say, it was just the opportunity... I mean, there's not many players in, in club football can say they played in a game of that magnitude. And uh, for me, it was just one of them opportunities that I knew wasn't, was, well, wasn't going to come round again. What about you? Uh, yeah, the one game I cried after was the FA Cup final for Southampton. Playing for Southampton against Arsenal. Um, probably think, why are you crying? You were probably expected to lose. But um, <laughs> we, we were playing really well um, that season and obviously done, had a good cup run. And being a lifelong Southampton fan, I had a lot of friends that come along. That's, uh, I'm not going to use that as an excuse why I cried. I was just absolutely gutted, to be honest. You, know, you, you, you go that yeah. far and you put everything into the game. And I think the way we lost as well, we, we never never really got into the game, never created any chances, just absolutely gutted. Didn't think I was going to cry, just the whistle went and it just, just happened. Yeah. Just absolutely gutted. And it ended up being my last game for Saints. I probably would have cried knowing it was my last game for Saints if I'd known that. But yeah, I cried because of the loss. Yeah, again, it's that thing about the magnitude of the occasion and having one of those really special moments that doesn't play out in the way that probably in the build-up to it, you've been expecting it to, hoping that it yeah. that it would be. You know, you go to a uh, cup final, you have so many people that come along and then... Not that you're thinking about the after-party, but straight as well, you know, when you go in afterwards and you see everyone, it's like... Do you want a drink? And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, great, I'll have a drink. We just lost the cup final. It, it kills the whole occasion, to be honest. The build-up is great and everything, but it just kills the rest of your day. Yeah. You said that was your last game for Southampton. You didn't know it was at the time. No. And you didn't really have a retirement match, did you? You kind of, it was injuries and... Uh, yeah, it all due to injuries, the... yeah. I, I think I, yeah, I'll probably admit it, I did cry when I left Southampton because I'd been there as a kid and it was like home with me. I did cry when I left to go to Chelsea. I'm an emotional guy, I've cried a yeah. lot. You know? but, yeah, I never, wrong with that. Retirement-wise, it just yeah. happened. It was just, it was sprung up on me for injury. Yeah. But also that moment of like knowing, because you did have a last game, didn't you, where you knew, you knew it was coming. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm probably the same as Bridgie. I'm quite emotional when it comes to it because we grow up loving the sport and what we're going into and things like that. So um, when I sort of said I was going to retire and I think it was around about March, April time and you know, it's your last game. And I was thinking the previous game before the last game of the season, I was thinking, please just get through this week and make sure that I can play in that last game. So I hardly trained to make sure that I'd play in the last game. 
And then the board went up to, to take me off the pitch with about 10 minutes to go. And I was devastated. I was just thinking, I walked off the pitch crying. And then in the changing room after it, the manager was Simon Grayson at Bradford at the time. And he just sort of made a speech about me and wished me luck and everything. And you see all the players looking at you and I just end up putting a towel over my head and just sinking oh, into my thing. Oh. I'm thinking, that's not, like, it was... The thing was, it was on my terms. I wanted to retire. I was ready to retire. I felt I was anyway. Um, so it, it hadn't been taken away from me, but that was my my terms as well. But I've had a, I've had other times where I've I did the uh, the laying of the reef at uh, Anfield for I was at Blackburn at the time, and it was the Hillsborough Memorial, and I was laying the reef in front of the in front of the cop for the '96, and I remember making a walk from the centre circle to the cop, and like the cop all stood up. And I was just like, oh, my God. Like, growing up a Liverpool fan mm. and understanding what it was to the club, I had friends who'd gone through it, um, and it was just... I struggled in the game after it. I was emotionally absolutely drained from that walk from the centre circle to the cop because I'd grown up on the cop and I knew what it meant. And uh, it was so hard to do that. And that was one of... I mean, there's, there's things in football that just suddenly jump up at you and you go, Wow. Uh, and that was, of all the things I've done in my career, that was the biggest honour that was ever bes- like bestowed upon me. It was just like even now I get like goose pimples thinking about it and the, the emotion that got, I feel from that. Uh, I always sort of get upset about, or not upset about it, but I always think what an honour that was to do that. And like all of my social media things and everything, that's my photo of me laying the reef because it was the biggest honour that I've ever had. Were you thinking that it would affect you in the build-up to it? Because this is this is real life stuff now, rather than yeah, it was so much bigger than football, uh, massively bigger than football. And I remember just making the walk, and um, one of my teammates who I grew up with, Paul Harrison, had, had lost family members um, in that, and obviously I knew people who'd been to Hillsborough. I knew that the ever the fallout of it all. I was a little bit too young to understand too much about it I learnt so much more about it as I grew up and um, being a Liverpool fan but making that walk I'm thinking I'm making that walk for people who've lost people, people who've gone through heartbreak and things like that and everything that comes into your mind as you're making that walk is just scary And as I said that's that's real life and when that comes into mm. to football then it's, it makes it a completely different thing and it's interesting when you were talking about even the, the FA Cup final you're sort of thinking about the people who are, have come along to to see you you're thinking about all the the other stuff as well and that all it, it's when it's when that sort of comes into the the football situation when it, when you're coming to the the end of your career like you said you've got that mm. retirement game coming up or that game coming up you know you're going to retire it's about you and it's about your career and your identity, your mm. kind of sense of self, I suppose. Must have found it hard. It's coming to the, coming to to the end. To decide you're going to do it. I, to I don't retire. know if I would have been able to do it. Yeah, I, I think it was more the fact that I remember, I remember when I actually retired and how it happened. I was in the car and I was taking my kids to swim in and I got a phone call from some, one of the media companies that I work for and they just basically said, have you had a think about what you're going to do and you, like next year you're going to carry on playing? because we've got loads of work for you. If you wanted to retire, then there's an option. And I remember it had already crossed my mind that I was enjoying the media side when I was playing as well. And I just thought, someone else is going to take that opportunity at the end of the year. And I literally said to him on the phone, I went, yeah, I'm going to retire. And I remember everyone looking at me in the car going, what? And I was like, yeah, it's the right decision. So I'll retire at the end of the season. If you've got work for me, great. 
And I remember putting the phone down and like me missus looked at me and the kids and they were like, What have you just done? And I was like, Well, it was the right decision. And I just didn't even fault I didn't even at one point think I've made the wrong decision. As soon as it came out of my mouth, I didn't regret it one bit. I just thought, Well, I've made the right decision then. So you kind of Amazing. knew on it. Yeah, I think it was just in my head that I thought Even so though, going into that last game. You must have been oh. wishing every minute would last forever. Yeah. You're kind of, and, and then, like you said, getting taken off with 10 minutes to go, and probably it was Simon Grayson giving you the chance to come off and get, yeah, like, get, a, get a, a nice, nice reception. reception. Yeah, yeah but, I mean, that was... But even so, you must have been like that, it can't be time yet, it can't be yeah, time yet, a bit longer, a bit longer. during the game as well, I would have. I was I desperate to score. Oh, yeah. Desperate to score, and I was like bombing up and down, <laughs> trying my best. But you, you also want to have a good game. You also want to go out and remember it as I could still play. And that's what I was trying to, to do. To perform. Yeah, if yeah. I didn't perform, I'd want another game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't game. have another game at the end of the season. <laughs> it was the last game of the season. But I, I, I was not frustrated that I came off, but I understood why he took me off. And I look back at it now and think, it's probably the best way to end it. Mm. And it was a way at Scunthorpe. And I remember thinking I'd have wished it had been a home game against at Bradford or wherever it might have been I, I mean you always have a, a fairy tale way that you want to end your career but even the respect I got from the Scunthorpe fans and things like that their bench stood up and the manager came over to me and said like congratulations on a great career they're all little things that are nice and mm. they're things that I'll remember for the rest of my life people being nice to you when you're emotional is not yeah, good yeah it's not good <laughs> no. can you not just stop it just stop it oh. Parents as well, like for my parents, I, I didn't really think about it until I actually retired that that was their life. My dad went to every single game, even if I was on the bench, and I said, Dad, there's no point, I'm not going to play, come just in case. And they went every week, mm. and I didn't really think. And then I stopped, and it was like, What are they going to do at the weekends? Yeah, oh my god, like it is mm. their life, it, it was every weekend they went. I didn't really think of that until I retired. They were like, what are we going to do? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I can't run anymore. <laughs> just, I'll just try and find a doctor yeah. that can fix the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Make gardening? I don't know. <laughs> um, going back to earlier stages then in your career, because did you see the video of Ashley Young singing Three Little Birds as his initiation yeah. song for, for his new Inter Milan teammates? You've both obviously done it. Yeah. Did you have one song that was yours? I did. I've what done was, two. But well, first of all, what was yours? Um, Twist and shout. So you've gone for the crowd pleaser that yep. everybody joins in on. Everyone knows and it. Then, get them yeah. clapping. Get them going. Hopefully they'll sing it for you. Follow, yeah, they'll follow <laughs> and join in. Make it easier. Up there for thinking. Down there for playing football. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? <laughs> I went with a reggae song. So I like reggae music. Uh, Compliments on your kiss by Red Dragon. Right. Do you know it? I'm nah. not, I'm not <laughs> singing it. I knew that was coming. <laughs> you know it. You know it. I sing it the days, but I don't. Um, my last one I'd done was obviously married to Frankie from the Saturdays and the Saturday song at Brighton. Is that what you call her? Frankie from <laughs> yeah, the Saturdays? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. You, Just in case you didn't you know. Do take Frankie from the Saturdays? Do you wait and take Frankie from the Saturdays? Oh, she's going to hate me now. Thanks, Gail. Um, I was, yeah. I was giving you a chance to take it back. That was really bad. Um, but yeah, when no, I you're first... you're right, it's relevant. It's relevant. I've been silly. When I first turned up um, in the, the first gym session, they played the Saturdays album. <laughs> And it's just, it was just a bit of banter from the lads. It was fine. Um, but then me and Frank on the way into London, and I was going away in, in a few days, and I was saying, oh, I'm going to have to do a song, but I really don't want to do it. Because it is horrible to yeah. do. And I, th- I can't remember if it was mine or her idea. She went, oh, why don't you just do a Saturday song? I said, oh, yeah. 
I said, I'll just take the piss out of myself. I might as well do the dance moves as well. <laughs> so she, like, taught me all the dance moves. There's a slut drop in there, the oh, lot. come on, you have to do um, that. So I just went, I, I we went for, like, no, no, I've done it enough times. Oh, I've been forced <laughs> enough times. Yeah, but even a little um, bit, because if you've done it... I can't remember the words, all right? I cannot remember the words. Do the tune, then. <laughs> and, yeah, I've done it. Someone did record it, yeah. and they put it on social media straight away. It was Drenze, and I was like, oh, no, please take it off, mate, because it was Circle for years. <laughs> and he did take it off, thank Christ. Come on. No, no. Just like like ten seconds. I can't remember the words. You can remember the dance. No, I can't remember the dance. <laughs> I'll, I'll bring it next week. The, <laughs> look, as, as as reticent as you are to do it, is there anybody that really loves it? Like they kind of they they're sort of turning up. They really think they can sing. Who was the re- lad in Germany who sang? And he was unbelievable. It was amazing. No, you're right. Oh, he sang like R. Kelly or something. Yeah, or he was. Was that Chelsea or Liverpool? Is it one of them? In Germany? No, no, I'm <laughs> sorry. No, but was he, did it, had he um, come from Germany? Was maybe that it. Player that had done oh, there was somebody no. new. I'm somebody sure there recently. was an English, yeah. an English yeah. team somewhere that had done one. Oh, that's really annoying. I'm sure it was Chelsea or Liverpool. Yeah, if, right? if, this, if this bit stays in the podcast, people are going to be listening going, oh, for God's sake, you know what I remember <laughs> yeah. that was? Yeah, yeah. It was massive. It was just like... No one stands yeah. out for me. Is that, the, is that the worst initiation? The singing? It's so tough. I mean, that is nerves. Yeah. When you're getting up on there and you're thinking, if no one responds in any way and you will get the lads going do not give him anything back yeah. if he's good just sit there like start straight throwing face, stuff start throwing stuff <laughs> napkins yeah. food but sometimes yeah. like you just can't help it if they're good yeah just, yeah wow. fair enough the lads just buzz off certain lads being embarrassed or not yeah. wanting to do it yeah if you're good it's a bit oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. it doesn't make doesn't make it. Yeah. my um brother-in-law used to play rugby and did exactly the same thing he had to do and hit my sister taught him the dance to never forget she wasn't in take that she just she just watched that <laughs> on <my> video <laughs> but she, she taught him that so now enough drinks in them and you'll get the that's full rendition much, the yeah, pair that's of them that's pretty much what of, I do yeah. the slut drop comes out when I've had a drink <laughs> <laughs> oh we need to get it you can do it when you do you know our little Instagram things where you're like listen to liquid football swipe up to watch just end it with a slut drop that's it that's so annoying. We can't end this episode with a slut drop. That's it. Well, you can always bubble. do it, Kel. <laughs> <laughs> you say that, but physically, not going to happen. Yeah, my knees are giving up on me. Thank you very much to Stephen Warnock and to Wayne Bridge. Uh, we're available every Monday. You can download the podcast or watch us on YouTube. Please leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you hear. And we've got the Facebook page as well. If you search for Liquid Football, you can get involved with the chat there. That's where we'll post the slut drop. Uh, don't forget to check out our other shows, House of Rugby with James Haskell and TKO with Carl Frampton. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Liquid Football on Joe.